We got some dumbass This is Unshackled with Imran on justicenews.net. Except the torture is official U.S. government policy. It is not the result of a rule. This is Unshackled with Imran on justicenews.net. These things need to be determined by the public, not by somebody who's hired by the government. Unshackled with Imran on Justice News.net. You're listening to Unshackled. I'm Justice News Network.org. This is Unshackled with Imran on Justice News.net. Unshackled with Imran on Justice News.net. Because the owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American dream. Because you have to be asleep to believe it. Welcome to the show. My name is Imran Siddiqui, and I'm from Justice News in Washington, D.C. And joining me today is Lauren Smith uh, from Courthouse News Service in West Virginia. And today we'll be talking about the troubling case of Jesse Dryfuse in West Virginia. Thank you so much, Lawrence, for coming on. Well, thank you for inviting me, Imran. I appreciate it. Uh, just to give a background uh, about Lawrence, uh, he's been uh, covering the case of Jesse Dryfuse for quite some time. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what Lawrence has to say uh, about the case of Jesse Dryfuse, which is surprisingly uh, ignored by the media and ignored by uh, the entire US. You know, I've been trying to find ways where I can get some factual, serious reporting on the case of Jesse Dryfuse. And it's been, it, it's been a challenge. So uh, because of uh, your friend, Debbie, uh, thank God that I was able to connect with Debbie and find out about Jesse's case, which is, uh, you know, completely a shock. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the article that I wrote was, you know, trapped, bulldozed and sandbagged. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this, this doesn't, doesn't even explain uh, what's going on with Jesse's case. So if you could... If you could uh, take some time and, and, and bring us up to date about what's going on. What is Jesse's case all about, Lawrence? Well, what happened was uh, Jesse was arrested. If this, there was an incident that happened in Huntington, West Virginia, and of course, which is near the, well, it's on the border with Ohio and Kentucky. It's one of the larger cities in West Virginia, probably one of the, I would say top, you know, the top five metropolitan areas by West Virginia standards. So what happened was uh, he was, there was a incident where a man was, well, Jesse was put on trial in 2012, accused of the murder of a man named Otis Clay Jr. Mr. Clay, if my memory serves me correct, he was in his 60s at the time. So this has been over 10 years ago. And Jesse was accused of attempting to rob Mr. Clay. Uh, at least the state's case was that he Jesse attempted to rob him to, for drug money. And then there was a fight that ensued. And then Jesse used a baseball bat to bludgeon Mr. Uh, Clay, who later died. So he was put on trial for that, convicted. And ever since then, and I didn't... and at the time, uh, I was working for another publication, and I didn't pay too much attention to, because what I was doing at the time, 
I didn't pay too much attention to criminal cases uh, unless it involved somebody that was noteworthy, uh, maybe particularly an attorney who got into some legal trouble or if a case went to appellate court. So I was, I think I vaguely remember some initial reporting about it. Hmm. Um, but Jesse has always maintained his innocence. He maintained that uh, he was, he went to, he was in the area to hire a man to work, to do some day labor for a downtown bar. And that Jesse's story is, and as he may have already told you, that he got hit over the head hmm. and was dragged into the house. And that, uh, that Mr. Clay was beat up, but not bludgeoned with a baseball bat. And that yet, yet he did die because of the injuries, but because of the, uh, I think due to the trauma that he suffered because he had heart conditions. So nevertheless, Jesse has been incarcerated for the better part of 10 years. And I believe it was, I think he reached out to me because I, I'm, I, I don't know if we've ever really talked about this. Um, he must have seen some of the reporting I did because I do know uh, uh, shortly after Jesse was convicted, uh, I found, well, there was a story uh, going back about 1998 of a man named Michael Brown who was convicted, what he felt was wrongfully of murdering two men in a rural part of Cabell County where Huntington is located. And he's been fighting for his innocence ever since then. And they have since uh, connected. They're in the same facility together. Uh, but I've been working Michael Brown's story since at least 2014 because his sister uh, saw the story that I did because a, a family, uh, there the prosecutor who prosecuted both Jesse and Michael uh, was a was in consideration to fill a, a judicial vacancy. And I know there was a family who asked that the commission that was considering the vacancy not appoint the prosecutor because he, you know, he gave them a, a story or he led them to believe he was going to prosecute uh, some paramedics for not helping or for failing to watch a pregnant woman and her baby die and that that they were told that that information that they got through a civil case would be used to prosecute what the prosecutor didn't do it well then michael brown's sister saw a story i did she said well i need to talk with you about michael brown and then that cascaded i think later here in the last maybe three years me finding out about jesse's story so what is the most troubling thing for you as a courthouse reporter who's been doing it for 20 plus years? What is the most troubling thing for you about Jesse's case? Well, I guess just seeing it and, and maybe some of the things, and I think this is even what goes on with even other people who have main, long maintained their innocence and have been proven to be wrongfully convicted, is how that just continues to drag out. And too often times you'll have a hearing just to set it, just to set another hearing. And that's what's really been seeing what's going on in Jesse's case is that there has, some of these hearings haven't really been much substance to it and how too often times that this, you know, the people who are working 
your the system just there's no sense of urgency when there there is seemingly strong evidence of a wrongful conviction to get it undone yeah so let me let me uh, just for our audience sake that they said this guy hit somebody with a baseball bat and fractured his skull and broke the so many parts of the body and this newspaper herald called him a base baseball bat killer right now well, what mm-hmm. uh, well, what happened was in 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 reading if you go back and look at some of the stories and and you know we've all you know I've well needless to say you know working in the press you know, I guess maybe even I've been guilty of it. When when you do follow a trial, you, I think it was where the prosecution they used the term the baseball bat killer, mm-hmm. and then what the then what the the Herald Dispatch, they are the main daily newspaper uh, that's that's in Huntington. Mm-hmm. They've been in publication I think for maybe 110 years now. Mm-hmm. So they're a daily newspaper, and they just you know, reported what the prosecutor says. Now, too often times you will see journalists, they will parrot it. Uh, but sometimes good journalists will then, if they do see, well, hey, you know, maybe there's something mm. uh, here that contradicts that, they will start to ask questions. Unfortunately, the Herald-Dispatch hasn't done that. Yeah, it's, it's really sad because uh, as a journalist, we are not supposed to run with the prosecution or the courts or whoever saying, because an allegation is an allegation, yes, until proven in a court of law, but in a fair and balanced way, which did not occur. And the fact that these guys ran with what the prosecutor said and there was no reporting on their own part, which is ridiculous. But my point is this, that they hid the medical records from Jesse Lawrence. And when he, after ten, after a couple of years, when he finally got the records, there was no, there was none of that that occurred in the autopsy reports. The prosecutor, the prosecution, and the courts hid that from Jesse, and it was the duty of these newspapers to go and investigate that, and they failed. And now Jesse says that I try to address that. Hey, I have the medical records. The guy did not die of these uh, things that they're accusing him of. <laughs> which is a joke, and yet nobody wants to uh, fix this. So what do you think about that? Well, as I said, it is a tragedy that it's taking this long. And and on the one hand, yes, you will have people who are guilty of what they're charged of or, you know, or they have or, or something. Oftentimes you will see people charged with multiple crimes and they may have been complicit in it. And you will have Neil say people who are stone cold sociopaths say that oh they're not guilty and they'll file habeas petitions just out of spite just because they have they're incarcerated they have nothing better to do, but nevertheless, when you see that there is evidence that suggests that the prosecution case isn't all that airtight, you know people should take heed. Hmm. And what do you think about the other scenario, which is like unprecedented, if I remember? I mean, Jesse fought for his case and the entire court bench was disqualified from sitting in his in his case. What is that all about? It may not necessarily be unprecedented. I okay. believe it was more or less a domino effect because what happened was, as I said, the, the former prosecutor, his name is Christopher Childs, uh, in 2014, one of the judges retired 
and that he and that he was he was um, submitted his name to a judicial vacancy advisory commission to be considered to fill that vacancy, and the governor in the state ultimately has the power to appoint vacant judicial vacancies, and he decided to appoint Christopher Childs to fill that judicial vacancy in 2014. Now, what has happened is when Jesse has filed these habeas petitions, um, I guess it's just where some of the other judges said, well, this involves another judge and the former prosecutor, and just as a matter of precaution, we're going to recuse ourselves and allow a judge and a prosecutor in another county to help just so that we can't be accused of conflict of interest. So it may not necessarily be unprecedented, but it is unusual. It is, is it also shameful? I would say so, yes. Because here you, I mean, as I said, you have, well, not only that, you have the Michael Brown case where there's accusations of prosecutorial misconduct. And then, I don't know if Jesse told you, we saw the news that there were three men who were accused of murdering a woman in Salt Rock, this same area where Michael Brown was accused of murdering the two other men. And this is purely coincidental. It's a rural area, and I don't want to cast any aspersions on Salt Rock, but these three men were accused. There was a woman who was murdered. Her name was Deanna Crawford. And then it was where eventually several years later, some evidence pointed toward these men. They maintained their innocence. And then I think even a couple of them entered what was called Kennedy pleas, where they a Kennedy plea is where someone says, well, you know, you have probably enough. I'm still maintaining my innocence, but um, I'm not contesting the, you know, or I'm not contesting the charges and they still plead guilty and it helps to maybe use it for maybe sentencing or you fall in the mercy of the court. Well, later on, DNA was obtained to show none of them were there. <laughs> they were excluded from being the killers. Hmm. So now there's two lawsuits against the prosecutors for that. And of course it maintains about Christopher Childs that even he knew that that there was some problems with these men being accused of being Deanna Crawford's murder, but they still went forward with the prosecution. So yes, it's shameful. Mm -hmm. And uh, how do you think, I mean, you've seen so many court actions across your career, man. I mean, it must be amazing, but uh, when you see Jesse fighting his own case and he has a counsel who's a standby, how does it look like? I mean, <laughs> I mean, how do you describe that scenario? Well, I mean, you have to give him kudos for doing it. Many other people probably would have given up. And, you know, at least for him as a layman and for someone who, I mean, I think he would tell you know he's just a probably regular guy. And then I don't know, you know, he just, oh, he's probably a workaday guy. And that he has had to learn the law itself and is probably just as much as educated as any uh, attorney who's gone through law school and has had, you know, a standard practice to watch him do it. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting to watch. So what's going on right now in his case? Well, right now it's, you know, I've, he had, I think the, there was some delay in getting the records 
I think Jesse was had some, but then they needed to get some of it verified from the hospital where Mr. Clay was treated after his injuries and, of course, where he later died. I believe those records have been obtained. There are there's like a some motions before the judge, and it's in a neighboring county, Lincoln County. And then I guess some of the other uh, frustration that Jesse has expressed that they were hoping to have a hearing done by now. Well, unfortunately, I guess particularly now that we're pulling the holidays, many and you see this even in some of the larger counties where everybody kind of goes on takes at least a middle vacation and they start pushing stuff off until after the first of the year. So unfortunately, I guess the judge or the court, and, and I shouldn't say just the judge, many of the other you know people who probably work at the courthouse, the judicial system, they have not scheduled a hearing Jesse's case until January 9th, you know, almost, well, now six weeks away. But I would humbly uh, ask this question and I would say, with all due respect, the guy has spent a decade in prison for something he didn't do. And we have the evidence to back it up. The, his kids lost their childhood. We have the medical reports proving that the guy did not die of any of those injuries that they accused him of dying. There's no fingerprints. There's no evidence. There's just testimony on the, on, based on, on these thugs who actually robbed him. Wouldn't how much would it take one hearing? Hey, we have the evidence. Yeah, we screwed up. We let you walk. Go home. How much would that take? Well, in you know, it shouldn't take much of any. But as I said, unfortunately, it's just here. You know, things. You know, everybody kind of moves at their own pace. Yeah, and uh, Lawrence uh, Jesse also talked about that in his uh, pursuit for his freedom, he discovered that he's not alone. There are many other cases of wrongful conviction in West Virginia that have been kind of like pushed under the rug. Well, he's told me about some and, um, and I, I mean, he's uh, shared some with me and I don't know. I mean, I mean, it says they are convicted. I don't know. I mean, I, I probably have no problem sharing the names. I don't know if he is, but as I just mentioned earlier, there's mm. Michael Brown that preceded mm. Jesse he has maintained his innocence of the, the killing of those two men and night actually was in late 1997. And then ironically, Cabell County is the home of, I don't know if he's ever told you, we've done some research back nearly 35 years ago. This was the first case in West Virginia where DNA evidence was admitted. There was a man named Glendale Woodall hmm. uh, about 80, about 86, 87, there were a series of rapes at the Huntington Mall. And then he was convicted for that. He maintained his innocence. And then later on, uh, you know, this is what DNA was brand new. It was proven that he was not the Huntington Mall rapist. And he was let go. Ironically, that led to uh, evidence that the medical, or excuse me, the state police serologist in the case that he had um, testified falsely in multiple, well, later on, that's what you ever do any uh, research on the man named Fred Zane, who's long since passed away, that he was a state police serologist, meaning he was a person 
who supposedly had a background in chemistry and knew how to type, which for the longest mm-hmm. time was a, you know, important tool to try to, you know, ex, you know, to match or your know, killers or try to for evidence, mm-hmm. but not as nearly as precise as DNA. That was the case that really led to his downfall. And that came out of Cabell County. Yeah, I mean, Cabell County's got some major issues going on, and uh, I don't know what these guys are doing, man. Uh, all I know is that Tsunami of Truth comes and just mows down the falsehood. So, I mean, I, I feel like another domino uh, effect, uh, is in effect, and it's it's going to roll out pretty soon. But as a journalist, I know you've done your part, and I and I appreciate that, but... When I go through my research on Jesse's case and I look at the reporting on on his case in West Virginia, how happy are you with the role of media in West Virginia in highlighting these cases of wrongful conviction and holding the government and the officials accountable for that? Well, it's it's disappointing because it seems like, I've, well, there's been just a handful, maybe myself and maybe one other that's done it. And then some of the stories that have been done, they've really softballed what has gone on. And, and, you know, many times they haven't even come to the hearing. And, and interestingly enough, I mean, I think the, um, you know, or, you know, you have one media outlet will be there one day, but won't show up for the next hearing. And then you'll have a, uh, a different media outlet, but, but also interestingly, nobody has really tied uh, all these cases together to demonstrate that there is a common thread here uh, with prosecutorial misconduct by the Cabell County Prosecuting Attorney's Office. Yeah. Um, on your Twitter account, you're not active on your Twitter, right? This is you. Of that course. is me. And like I said, I'm maybe not as active as I should be. Typically what I'll do is um, I, if there is a story, uh, Will Posey, I think you're scrolling past maybe one of the most recent stories I did uh, for yeah, courthouse for courthouse news. Um, was it this one? Well, the most recent the top one. Well, this yeah, one. The most recent story I did with courthouse news had to do with a civil suit. I believe that was that the ACLU helped a woman file. Yeah, uh, she was kicked out of the Senate gallery yeah. uh, for attempting to film the uh, discussion on abortion. Um, you know, I know many people will get onto Twitter and other social media and they'll post, you know, you know what they ate for breakfast that day and every little detail of their life. So, yeah, I try to use Twitter and uh, social media, you know, for bigger events or whenever I have a news story I, I want to promote. That's fantastic. Um, as far as a courthouse news service is concerned, Courthouse uh, News Service did cover Jesse's case, if I'm correct. Well, like I said, I, I've done this mostly uh, as a freelancer. There was another publication uh, that is um, a local to Huntington called HuntingtonNews.net. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still am friendly with, but uh, I am working on uh, doing bigger news stories for Courthouse News Service. So in the future, you will probably you be seeing some national, finally, some national coverage on not only Jesse's cases, but the uh, series of wrongful convictions in Cabell County. 
That's good to know. When it comes to uh, public's response, uh, when people find out about cases like this, where is the uproar? Where is the anger uh, when it comes to the people? Or do you think the people have just gone complacent and they're happy with their Netflixes and their burgers? That may be a part of it. I think some of it there may not be because, again, they haven't, they haven't really heard much about it here. I mean, there's been a little bit of it, but it hasn't really been a steady drumbeat in Cabell County to really cause much of an uproar. Why do you think that is, that there's no drumbeat in Cabell County? Well, again, just because there hasn't been as much coverage on the actual wrongful conviction as there was when the case went to trial. Yeah. And I'm sure when, uh, if God uh, uh, wishes and Jesse gets exonerated, then everyone's going to be all over the guy. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, when, when, we, uh, when we see that a judge has a case in front of him or her, which is a wrongful conviction and the evidence is absolutely clear, I know you're not them, but in your experiences, what do you think goes through their heads? I mean, are they delaying it because they're afraid of accepting their mistake or they're afraid of lawsuits that would come? And would that be better than just burying it or accept the mistake and correct and then move forward? Well, you would hope that they would, because again, this has been referred to a judge outside of Cabell County. Now, I think he, too, was a former prosecutor, and it makes you wonder, you know, obviously there is a brotherhood there, but nevertheless, you would hope that, you know, someone being a judge, now a judge would have to put, you know, any type of fraternal bond aside and look at what justice is. Now, the judge that has been assigned to, he is more of a laid-back judge. Uh, you know, sometimes he'll, you know, he'll, there's been a couple of times you know, he'll, he'll say, does anybody want tea? And, you know, oftentimes when people will stand up, he says, oh, this is Lincoln County. You could talk from your seat. You know, he may crack a joke or two. That's nice. So, so he's been good. And, and, and I think this has given people, you know, reason to believe that he is going to be fair. Now, I think, yeah, sometimes because too oftentimes many judges are either the former prosecutor or have been assistant prosecutors, they see cases like this and they they'll pass it on to the appellate court. You know, they'll punt, you know, they'll, you know, use a football term, they'll punt to maybe defer to the prosecution uh, because there is that fraternal bond there. Yeah. Uh, I understand that bond, but I don't know what's the fine line between cover up and, support because uh there is there, there is a prosecutorial misconduct and then we have a criminal prosecutorial misconduct uh correct me if i'm wrong when a, when a, a prosecutors know that things that we are stating did not occur and there's medical evidence and a trail to prove that and yet they continue to lie how can a judge continue to allow that to happen. Well, and again, it's where, 
in, in this particular case with Judge Hoke, since it's been passed off to him, I don't know why he's, I mean, again, it's, you would hope, you would, everybody's, I mean, I know Jesse has been hopeful that this has, has already been decided. And I don't know if, you know, Judge Hoke is holding off on it to be deferential to his colleague over in Cabell County. Unfortunately, as I said, sometimes, you know, around here, particularly in more rural areas, people get set in their ways and they just do the things they want to do. Yeah. Until the uh, until the people rally outside their homes and their courthouses and make a lot of noise and make them uncomfortable. Well, that's one way to do it. Yeah, that uh, might be coming uh, pretty soon. But uh, as a journalist, as a person who's seeking the truth, like you say, what would be your message to the people of Cabell County and the people of West Virginia and the people of United States in regards to these wrongful convictions? Well, I guess you just, well, if anybody, you know, do your own research, you know, go to the court, you know, go to the courthouses, look up these records, you know, do, you know, make up your own mind, come to the hearings. Um, you know, most of these, you know, most states are the same. These hearings are open to the public. You may not necessarily be able to bring a recording device in. Judges still have the discretion of allowing that. Most are good to allow that if you request it. And then um, support where you can. You know, if you want, there are organizations, you know, obviously one of them being the, the Innocence Project. I know they did help where I mentioned ago, the three men who were accused of killing Deanna Crawford. They did help out in her case, their their case. So if people want to do something financially, but yeah, you need to come and and see it for yourself. Yeah, I don't know about innocence organizations because they're too picky and choosy about what they want to do. And if they were really, really meaning what they're saying, then they've been in, in business for a long, long time. A lot of more, a lot more exonerations would have come. And I have many cases that have complaints about those guys. But what I find, uh, uh, Lawrence, is the lack of uh, interest from the public, uh, you know, or lack of empathy in a really compassionate, so-called compassionate and uh, God-fearing society. Uh, I, I don't see that uh, that happening. That that interest in people goes until, uh huh, there is a catch, until it comes at their door. Sure. Until something happens to them, then they realize and say, oh, my God, Lawrence was right. Jesse was right. This is happening. Do we have to wait for this to occur or we can take some kind of affirmative action as citizens? Well, you know, you could, you know, of course, there's always the expression. You may have heard it. You can lead a horse to a water. You lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Uh, yes, you could go yeah. and um, hold rallies and, you know, send letters out to people and, and you know, or you can invite people to a party, you know, and some are going to show up and some aren't. So it's just, you know, if this is something that moves you, great. And then if, you know, and then maybe, uh, it, as you said, it may have to be the unfortunate reality where it happens to somebody else's, then that makes them become interested. Yeah, because what happened to Jesse could happen to anyone. Yes. And, and, and the fact that even after filing a, a writ of mandamus, I think he filed two, which is designed to hold the government officials accountable for the wrongful act that they committed. 
and still he's sitting uh, in a prison as we speak. Yes. So, uh, uh, where do you see this case going? Well, that's the other thing. You know, you. I mean, the hope. I mean, I know Jesse's hope is that Judge Hoke would say something on here in January 9th. Uh, typically, what these things do. I mean, this is where judges at least like to give the appearance that they've considered something. What I foresee happening is he'll he'll listen to what the arguments are on January 9th, then he'll render some sort of decision later on. I know Jesse hopes it's favorable to him. I know the uh, pros- the local prosecutor who's been assigned the case, you know he you could tell he's this is something he doesn't want to handle. I mean he hasn't uh, even come into any of the court hearings with any, any notes, and he's made these broad platitudes about the law. Oh, yeah, Jesse had a trial, and, well, yeah, you could have a trial, but it it could still be rigged, and it's, you know, still be full, still be faulty. But um, I, my, you know, unfortunately, you have to be in it for the long haul. Um, so even if Judge Hoke doesn't render a favorable decision, I still see it potentially being overturned, his conviction being overturned on appeal, which could, which, you know, again, will take some time. God willing. Well, I hope that judge does the right thing. The judge, if you're listening, do the right thing, judge. You know, let this guy walk. Uh, do something good with the oath that you took to defend the Constitution and the law and your own citizens of your county. And I hope that he does that and he lets him walk and exonerates him. And maybe the judge can have a press conference with the mayor and the governor and look good that, hey, we did something right. We're letting this innocent man walk free. Uh, It's just horrible. I cannot explain to you the horror that these guys go through. Uh, I speak to them every other day, if not every day. A lot of them. And these guys don't have any money to buy food or put money on the bank so they can make a phone call. It is just a horrific thing that this leader of democracy, the so-called most educated society in this world, is the biggest jailer in the world at the same time, jailing their own people who are innocent. So it is appalling and it is shocking and it is really sad and it's frustrating and it's it should make people angry. And and I hope that the county and, and the court and the judge uh, makes the right decision on his case. So before we leave, is there anything else you would like to add or anything you would like to say to Jesse? No, I mean, I appreciate you having me on and also giving uh, Hayes some publicity in addition to what I've done and what little has been done through other media outlets. Uh, and, And I guess just for those who are truly innocent, that, yes, you know, don't give up any hope. As I said, yes, there's people who are guilty of what they're charged and they're sociopaths and they just want to annoy the court system. Uh, but that seems to be the common thread of those who, I mean, you, there's been many well-publicized cases of those who've been innocent, have been, you know, have fought for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. You know, I'm so 53. Sad. 
you know, that's that's an entire lifetime just Seriously. to clear their name. Of course, this was some of this happened in the 70s and 80s, you know, when DNA was just being talked about and not even not even there. But for those who in their families is just, you know, the only thing is not to give up hope in the fight. We got some dumbass. This is Unshackled with Imran on justicenews.net. Except the torture is official U.S. government policy. It is not the result of a rule. This is Unshackled with Imran on justicenews.net. These things need to be determined by the public, not by somebody who's simply hired by the government. Unshackled with Imran on Justice News.net. You're listening to Unshackled on Justice News.net. This is Unshackled with Imran on Justice News.net. Because the owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American dream, because you have to be asleep to believe it. 